On February the 11th of this year, there was a man who is 32 years old by the name of Joby Poole, who lives in the United Kingdom, who took his stolen truck, broke into a, a gated parking lot area, and hooked up his stolen truck to what is now a stolen trailer and made his way for an escape. A couple of hours down the highway, the police caught up with him and arrested him. And you might be wondering why this is worth mentioning in an Easter message, because in the trailer that he stole were 200,000 of these items. Social media exploded in the UK and around the world that there was going to be a Cadbury egg shortage and that this was going to steal the joy right out of Easter. I have a couple of things to say about this. One is that this item here, as it tells us in the book of Leviticus somewhere, this item is not fit for human construction and consumption and this thing is disgusting. And so there's no way that stealing this could steal Easter joy. And so if you are going to steal something to try to try to steal the joy out of Easter, you might want to steal an item like these little beauties. Not because these are any good, not because they're tasty, but because, and my eyes are not as good as they used to be because I've turned 50, I think the expiration date on these is about 100 years from now. They never go bad. And while we're at it, can we say, because we are from the hometown of the greatest soft drink in the world, Coca-Cola, that this is one of the worst collaborations in sugar history? <laughs> no, if you're going to try to steal Easter joy, you got to do it right. If you're going to try to steal Easter joy, you need to steal this, the perfect Easter candy that has the perfect ratio, even better than the original Reese's peanut butter cups, the perfect ratio of the chocolate to the peanut butter. No, this is the perfect item if you want to either bring or to steal Easter joy. And so for this family, it's brave enough to sit up close. <laughs> this is sugar from Jesus. <laughs> He is risen indeed. <laughs> There's no way that a Cadbury heist could steal the joy out of Easter because we know that all of these little symbols are things that just remind us of what this season is supposed to be all about. That it's not really about the candy and the rabbits and the Easter egg hunts, but all of these things are meant to point us towards what is really this season, the life, the death, and yes, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yet, when we consider the, the story of Easter, there was something that was trying to steal the joy in the original heist of Easter. Scholars refer to this today as the stolen body hypothesis. For you see, people assumed on that day that there was a heist that had taken place that there was something that was stolen, and it was the body of Jesus. And yet for those early Christians, something else had happened. Today, I want us to look at a part of the Easter story that we don't normally look at. 
I want to look at the part of the Easter story that surrounds what we declared at the beginning of the service. We're back and forth in liturgy. We retold and proclaimed what the experience of the women was like at that early tomb. But right before that story and right after that story, it's surrounded in the book of Matthew by these passages. Matthew chapter 27 and 28. The next day, the one after the preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. And so give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. The phrase that repeats over and over again, secure, secure, secure. And then after the women experienced the earthquake and the empty tomb, while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. And when the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money telling them, you were to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep him out of your trouble. And so the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. It's interesting, if you run into a modern-day skeptic, the modern-day skeptic will say that you have a choice at Easter, that you have a decision to make. And the different decision that you have to make, according to a modern-day skeptic, is that Easter is, is something, you can either have a scientific perspective of it or a superstitious one. You can either have a rational way of thinking or you can have a religious way of thinking. And yet, if we are to take the study of history seriously, and if we are not to engage in chronological snobbery and are willing to go back and to put ourselves in the position of the people who were in the first century, one thing is absolutely clear. You do not need Einstein and Newton and Copernicus to tell you that dead people don't rise from the grave. The universal experience of all universal observation in the moment of time. It's not that there were these Christians who were superstitious and they were expecting something like this to happen and so they wished it into happening. No, these were ordinary people just like you and me who knew how life worked, who know how nature is organized, who understand what is going on in the world around them. And so it's not that those early Christians we're hoping and expecting and waiting and longing for this to happen. It's that something unexpected, that they didn't anticipate it, something unprecedented happened and broke in, in and through the person of Jesus Christ that was beyond their wildest dreams. Historian Tom Wright puts it this way, resurrection is not a peculiar event in the present world, but the prototypical event of the new creation. And so what we expect at Easter is something unexpected. And the real choice that we have is not between, hey, you can be a rational person and make sure you don't believe any of this stuff, or you can be a religious person and hold fast to the superstitious stuff. 
The real choice that we have to make if we're willing to go back in the time machine and put ourselves in the position of what happened in this moment in time is this choice. You can either believe that Easter was a heist where the body was stolen, or you can believe in the hallelujah that he is risen. This stolen body hypothesis, this perspective that the body of Jesus was taken, was taken up recently by, I don't know if you ever see the website or on social media, Babylon B, but here is a one-minute video of the disciples plotting to supposedly steal the body of Jesus. Let's watch the screens. Oh, okay, we'll start from the beginning, everybody, for John, yeah. the beloved disciple. So, okay, we go down to Jesus' tomb. I, Sounds good. This yes. is really yes. easy. Then we pay off the Roman soldiers that are guarding the tomb with their lives. Why, why would they do that? Then we somehow roll away the big stone that's in front of the tomb. Obviously, you have to move the rock first. Yeah. And then we steal his body. Yeah, I, I mean... I, I guess. Then we tell the whole world that he rose from the dead and we get brutally murdered for our troubles. <laughs> Epic prank, bro. Peter, you rock. Oh, oh, okay, guys. Okay, and then what? Then we all get killed. Come on. When do we see ourselves become exalted in praise? That's just it. You don't. Anybody got any questions? <laughs> On a more serious version of that, there is a guy in California by the name of J. Warner Wallace. J. Warner Wallace is a cold case detective, and because there's no statute of limitation in the state of California on murder, what his job was, was in case new evidence came to light, to be able to pick up an old murder case and see if there's anything that needs to be tried or discovered. And he had a lot of friends who were Christian, and yet he was a lifelong and avowed atheist. And he felt like that he was uniquely positioned because of his training, because of his expertise, that he could take up the Easter story and apply all of the skills that he had to those historical accounts. So for the better kind of journey of a year, he decided to look, whether he was skeptic or believer, either way, and he looked at all of the evidence. And after the better part of a year, what he ended up doing was coming up with four conclusions as to whether or not you were a believer or a skeptic. There was almost near unanimous consent that these four things were true. Here are those four things. One, Jesus died on a cross and was buried. Two, Jesus' tomb was empty and no one ever produced his body. Three, Jesus' disciples believed that they saw Jesus resurrected from the dead. And four, Jesus' disciples were transformed following their alleged resurrection observations. And so taking these four things that everybody said that they basically agreed in, those four things, he came up with the different possible and likelihood and probability of theories. And as he looked at this for a whole year, Something in his mind opened and his heart exploded and this atheist cold case detective became a follower of Jesus Christ. 
In other words, here you have somebody who has the greatest faculty for critical thinking skills and looking at the past and trying to reconstruct that for what might have happened. And he became convinced by the evidence of what truly happened at Easter. I believe that there is a heist of what happens at Easter, but it is not the stolen body hypothesis. The true heist of what happens at Easter is what Jesus himself proclaimed in the Gospel of John when he said that the thief, the evil one, the adversary, comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, and I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This life will attempt to steal and kill and destroy us. And yet there is one who has come to give us life and life everlasting. Here's a picture of a person who might be familiar to you. His name is Rick Warren. Time Magazine referred to him as America's pastor. And Rick Warren has written one of the most widely selling books in all of nonfiction, The Purpose Driven Life. A flourishing church, a growing family, fame, fortune, success, significance, all at Rick Warren's fingertips. And yet, when one of his sons, Matthew, was 27 years old, after a long battle with emotional distress, despair, and depression, and Matthew losing his life to suicide, Rick Warren was sent into a tailspin as a public figure. And for the first time in his ministry, took a prolonged absence from preaching and from teaching and from pastoring and from leading. And when Rick finally came back, of course, the question that he got and the question that everybody wanted to know, how have you done it? How have you survived? How is your faith intact after what you have experienced, the worst that of what a parent can experience? And Rick Warren's simple answer, it was always Easter. When I was in the midst of the darkness of death and gloom, it was always Easter. When I was in the midst of the doubt and the confusion And the loss, it was always Easter. When it seemed like that victory would belong to the evil forces of this world, it was always Easter, always Easter, always Easter. For you see, what we proclaim and what we sing and what we believe is that the true choice of what we have in this life is that the Easter decision is either that there was a heist or that it's a hallelujah. And this is the decision that the early disciples had to make, and this is the decision that we have to make. Just yesterday, I was sitting at the bedside of a family who was holding vigil for one that they love, a friend of mine I was at a Bible study with for a year with a small group of guys. And the disease claimed his life. And the only thing that gives us hope in a moment like that is what we declare and sing on this day, that it's always Easter, hallelujah. For those families, a part of the Covenant Presbyterian Church in Nashville, the only thing that enables them to move forward 
is that it's Easter. It's always Easter. And so let me be very direct with you. You can believe in the hallelujah of Easter or everything that you have will be stolen from you. Either the promises are true and that there is not only life now but life everlasting, life that is full of life that goes on into eternity, or it is the moment where everything is taken away. This is the decision that we must all face. This is the real choice of what happens at Easter. Now, you might have thought at the beginning of the service that we got the beginning of the service all wrong because we can't begin Easter at Peachtree Presbyterian Church without singing the hymn, Jesus Christ is risen today. And so, Pastor, did you miss it? I said, no, I didn't miss it. We're just hanging on to it. Because I needed you to hear something and understand something before it is time to sing it. And what I needed you to hear and to understand is that in between every line of what we sing, Jesus Christ has risen today, is the hallelujah. Our triumphant holy day, hallelujah. Who did once upon the cross, hallelujah, over and over again, in between the lines of everything that we breathe and proclaim and sing is the refrain of praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Because either life is taken from you or life is a great chorus of praise. And so after I close us in a moment of prayer, we're going to invite you to sing. And we're going to invite you to sing of Easter and the hallelujah of every line because St. Augustine described a Christian as a hallelujah from head to toe. And that we want that to be true for us in our moment in time. That as we declare hallelujah, all that threatens to take in life from us is renewed and redeemed in the new creation of what Jesus has begun. And so let us pray. Our gracious and loving Father, we know that everything that we see at this time of year points us to the reality of the life and the death and the resurrection of your Son and our Savior. And so we ask, God, that you will melt away our skepticism and our doubt. Teach us that this is not a choice between being rational and scientific versus being superstitious and religious. Help us to know that this is the false choice and that the real choice is whether it is a heist or whether there is a hallelujah. And so help us to understand that even the facts of the case point to your glory of what your disciples discovered 2,000 years ago. And that we don't have to be a part of the truth theft of what is stolen and taken away from us in this life or the life to come. And so help for every line that we sing, every note that we raise, every moment of breath and of praise in our lives becomes a hallelujah response to your Easter joy and promises. And so we thank you, God, that in you nothing will be ultimately stolen from us. And we pray all of these things with great Easter anticipation in the strong name of Jesus the Christ and all of God's people said. Amen.